Hey, this is Mike Zwick from If Not For God podcast. Our show, Stories of Hopelessness Turned Into Hope. Your chosen Truth Network podcast is starting in just seconds. Enjoy it, share it, but most of all, thank you for listening and for choosing the Truth Podcast Network. This is the Truth Network. Let her put you in the driver's seat. Car went into passing gear and we took off with gust. Soon we were doing 90, must have left him in the dust. When I peeked in the mirror of my car, I couldn't believe my eyes. The little Nash rapper was right behind, I think that guy could fly. Beep, 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 beep. his horn went beep, beep, beep. Welcome to the Christian Car Guy Radio Show. I say this calls for action, and now... Now we're doing 110, this certainly was a race. For Rambler to pass a caddy would be a big disgrace. The guy must have wanted to pass me out and kept on tooting his horn. I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a car to scorn. Beep, 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 beep. His horn went beep, 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 beep. Now we're doing 120 as fast as I could go. The Rambler pulled alongside of me as if we're going slow. The fellow rolled out his window and yelled for me to hear, Hey, buddy, how? Can I get this car out of second gear? Let her put you in the driver's seat. So let God slash your dad put you... In the driver's seat today on the Christian Car Guy Show, we have a real treat for you and let your dad slash God put you in the driver's seat. We got both Jerry and Bob. You know, we haven't done that uh, pre-COVID. This is a post-COVID show. <laughs> We're ready. We're ready. <laughs> Rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, how wonderful to actually have, you know, I usually get one or the other, but you guys have the full package today. Like, this is the, the whole deal. So... As always, today's show is brought to you by the Hebrew letter Het. It's like Sesame Street. We like to <laughs> sponsor our, our shows by a Hebrew letter. And the Het is the letter that begins the word grace. You may have been aware of that, but actually, I don't know if you knew this. I've always thought it was really neat. Noah, spelled backwards, is grace. Hmm. So you can spell grace backwards, you get Noah. Well, when you think about it, there's no better example, really, of, of somebody that was God's favorite in the Bible <laughs> in his generation than Noah. I mean, he was first pick. <laughs> and he got a certain, even a more baptism than Jerry gives, you know, so. <laughs> Just on Saturday mornings, bright and early. <laughs> so we're going to get into the head and that description, but what you may not have known, and I knew this, but I'd forgotten it, Bob, the name Hannah is actually... Hebrew for grace expressed. So Hannah, the mother of Samuel, her her name is Grace. And it, it couldn't be, I mean, more significant as you begin to really unpack all that. Um, and the reason why we played Beep Beep, you may wonder, by the Playmates, you may remember that song, <laughs> especially if you're like me and my first car actually was a Nash Rambler and it, it, it did do pretty good in second gear. <laughs> it was a three speed on the column, Jerry, oh. three on the tree. You might remember those. That's been a long time since anybody. I remember those know. all right. Get yeah. jammed up in between second and third. <laughs> but anyway, that song is about a Cadillac getting humiliated by a little Nash Rambler. Okay, 
It's not a Carter score. Oh, yes, it was, because, you know, you hear the whole story. Well, in the case of Hannah slash Grace, don't forget that, right? Her adversary, the other, the other wife, I think his name was Elkanah, that, you know, she, she was the Cadillac because she was the one having the kids, and Hannah was the underdog. She was the Nash Rambler as the case may be. <laughs> and, you know, Hannah couldn't have kids. Now, I want you to think about the story of Hannah in a little bit different light because, number one, I want you to think that her name means grace. And then, number two, think about it in the correlation of the book of Acts when they thought that the disciples were drunk, okay? You remember when they started speaking in other tongues? What did the people think? The disciples were drunk, well, what did Eli, the priest, think when he saw Hannah praying for a baby in the temple, right? He thought that Hannah was drunk. My boss pointed that out to me, Michael Carbone, this week. And I, I was, I've just been pondering it ever since. I mean, how cool is that, that this was a picture of something very, really cool? What did Hannah want? Hannah wanted a godchild, okay? What, what essentially did the disciples want? They, they, what happened on the day of Pentecost, besides everybody thought they were drunk, they had a whole bunch of kids, okay? And so when you think about Hannah's prayer that we're going to go over here in a minute in depth, I want you to think about Hannah in light of, oh, my goodness, she was the underdog, she was the Nash Rambler, <laughs> and Eli thought she was drunk, you know, when, when you know, she was praying for a child, and then she has this child, and I just want you to think for a minute. Now, you've been wanting a child your whole life. You're a mother, and all you have a baby. Could you possibly give that child up after it was weaned? Could you do that? I mean, she took young Samuel and let God put Samuel in the driver's seat, literally. His father became God, right? I mean, which his father always was God, and God is not the backup plan. God is the main father. When it comes to Father's Day, you can't get a better father than one you got, I'm just telling you. God the Father has been orchestrating fathers into your life your whole life, and it's a great exercise to try to point out in your, to yourself where God had put fathers in your life all the way through your life. But in Hannah's case, she took Samuel. I mean, wh what an amazing faith, Jerry. I mean, you've been praying your whole life for this baby, and you get one, and what do you do with it when it's weaned? You give it up? You, do you know how hard it is to give up a child for adoption at the moment that they're born? Can you imagine when they're three or four years old? No, just, you know, you just think about that. I mean, we all have things that we've desired in life, and we just thought, you know, that that's, that's the prize. If we can ever get it, and then to get it and know that instantly you're relinquishing it. Wow. And not that's, only does she relate it, but then listen to her prayer and remember her name is Grace. Don't forget that, yeah, it's Hannah, but Hannah's the way of pronouncing Grace in Hebrew. So Grace expressed. So Hannah prayed and said, this is so cool, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over my enemies. In other words, what I say now is important where it didn't used to be because I love what she says. Because I rejoice in my salvation. Now, the way she would have said that in Hebrew, because I rejoice in my Yeshua. Okay, sound familiar? That means Jesus. <laughs> okay? Because I rejoice in my 
salvation, Yeshua. Okay, it's just absolutely cool. There is none more holy for the Lord because there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock like our God. And I want to get down to the verse 4 where it says, The bows of the mighty men are broken, and they that stumbled are girded with strength. And throughout her prayer, if you go spend some time with this prayer, and I couldn't recommend you do enough, you'll note how the Nash Rambler is talking about God is the one who exalts. It's not by your strength that you're going to get that car to pass the Cadillac, okay? (laughs) It's not by your strength to get put in the driver's seat. God God is going to take you up out of the driver's seat. But if you got a verse that you want to memorize or one that you just need to get into your heart, here it is, verse 8. Hannah's praying this. It's unbelievable. She says, he raises up the poor out of the dust and lift up the beggar from the dunghill. Now, that means the manure pile. Okay, and if you're like me, you've spent way too much time in the dunghill. <laughs> I mean, in my own sense, I mean, just like yesterday, I was in the dunghill, okay? And like, how can I get to do a show today after those people who saw me yesterday, like, you really get to do the Christian car guy shit? I'm like, like, you who suffer with road rage and all other sorts of ailments, like, oh my goodness, who is it that does this stuff for you? It is God right? He lifts you out of the dunghill. And what does he do? He makes them inherit the throne of glory. Now, the throne of glory, you you realize he's putting you, right? Bob, we're talking Bob Young here (laughs) on the throne of glory. That's better than the driver's seat. I'm just telling you. Well, we were blessed recently uh, talking about wanting a child and this and that. uh, My wife always wanted a little girl. And I've wanted a grandchild uh, for a couple of years after Rob passed. Uh, we just kept on hoping that somebody would walk up and say, hey, this is your grandchild. <laughs> well, our oldest living son uh, blessed us with a grandchild recently, and it's a girl. And um, so everybody's happy. you know. We, and her name is? Haven. I mean, Haven Michelle. It's, it's unbelievably beautiful. So what I would like you to do today, let me just tell you that we have the next episode of Christian Car Guy Theater coming up at the end of the show, which features my granddaughter. It doesn't feature her, but she has a couple lines at the beginning. If you're wondering who this playing the part of chair, of, of piety in, in the upcoming, the first woman's voice that you hear in the Christian Car Guy Theater, I will proudly say is my granddaughter, Lila. Because <laughs> we want... God children, right? We want one Hannah want it. We want them put in the driver's seat. Well, think about how Samuel got there. But when does God lift you out of the dung heap and put you in the driver's seat? We got so much more Christian Car Guy show coming up with Bob and You're listening to the Truth Network and TruthNetwork.com. Let her Put you in the driver's seat. Car went into passing gear and we took off with gust. Soon we were doing 90, must have left him in the dust. When I peeked in the mirror of my car, I couldn't believe my eyes. The little Nash Rambler was right behind, I think that guy could fly. Beep, 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 beep. Let your dad slash God put you in the driver's seat today on the Christian Car Guy Show, brought to you by 
the Hebrew letter Het, and I have my good friends Bob and Jerry with us. And, and the real question is, when did God lift you out of the dung heap, right? And what does that look like exactly and put you in the driver's seat? Well, I have a story, I do. So I was the general manager of Crown Dodge in 1991. This was a couple months before I got saved, actually, which I think is significant to the story. So I was in the dunghill big time. I was a Dodge dealer. And <laughs> um, in the Crown chain, that was not considered the, the good guys, okay? We may have had the white hats in the day, but not, not, not Crown. You know, they had Honda and all these other cars. So we also had Suzuki, Jerry. And those Suzukis were not too easy to sell in those days in 1991 and the Gulf War and all that was going on. And we had a young lady who was looking at a Suzuki one Friday night, and we decided to do something we called back then a call-to-spot delivery, where that meant that the person wasn't approved credit-wise to get the car, yet we put them in the car anyway in hopes that we would figure out a way to work it out alone. Well, this particular night... <laughs> as God would have it, she runs a red light, and not only runs a red light, but runs a red light into a state policeman, okay, and puts him in the hospital. Fortunately, he he turns out okay, but you can imagine the mess that this is our car, but it's her car. They hadn't done the insurance just right. The state police is all involved. All this stuff's going on. So this is this happens Friday night. You know, Saturday, I'm all involved in it. Sunday, I'm all involved in it. Monday morning, I work for Royce Reynolds, which, you know, the Crown organization was a big group of dealerships at that time, and he was like the Mac Daddy. He was a very wonderful man, one of my fathers, really, that God put in my life. But he, he you know, he didn't take any shenanigans whatsoever. And, I mean, he was known for not putting up with any shenanigans. And <laughs> this was shenanigans, okay? So I get a call. I get a call from his secretary that morning, Monday morning, like the second I get to work, like eight fifteen or whatever time it was. And it's Susan Bray, and she says, "Robbie Royce wants to see you in his office right now." I'm like, "Okay, here it comes, right?" <laughs> so you're you're feeling the dung heap with me right this minute, I'm sure. I hope you are. So. I, I go over, and Royce Reynolds he sits in a desk that's way up high, and he's got paneling in the walls that's $20,000. I mean, this is a Taj Mahal type of situation, and he's got all his lieutenants sitting beside him as I entered this room, and I'm walking by his secretary, and she's just shaking her head like, oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you are in it, Robbie. <laughs> I really think I'm in it. And so I sit down, and Royce says, well, Robbie, do you know why you're here? And I said, um, the Suzuki. <laughs> and he looks at me and says, Suzuki? What's Suzuki? <laughs> and I said, you know the Suzuki that we spot delivered Friday night that got hit that hit the state policeman and they had put him in the hospital and he's looking at me and the more he looks at me, the more I see the fury is raising in his eyes. Now, I won't use the exact terminology he used that day, but what he said was, do you mean to tell me that I'm about to promote the stupidest, lots of letters were then go after that in the Crown organization? <laughs> and I went, promote? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> actually, I still don't believe it to this day. That was the day I got promoted from the general manager Crown Dodge to Crown Honda Volvo in Chapel Hill, which at the time was the crown jewel, so to speak. It was the most, most profitable store in the chain, and the Crown Dodge store was like the bottom of the dung heap, right? Like, I mean, I went from literally like the bottom of the barrel to the top of the barrel. And not only that, it was a general manager. And Royce took me in his seven car, remember, drove me down there and, and the whole thing. And I, I thought for sure I was going in there to get fired, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would, I would have been thinking the same thing, Robbie. <laughs> but one of the things that Royce told me on that drive was Robbie, you need to get more involved in the Bible. You need to start studying. You know, the only way you're going to get ahead in this life is to read. Most men don't read books, and you need to spend some time reading something worthwhile. You need to fill your mind with something good, right? And and it wouldn't be two months later that I would read the Bible and also the advice of Norman Vincent Peale, and I would come to Christ as a result of all these shenanigans, but you can see, absolutely, I I was in the dung heap. I deserved to be in the dung heap. <laughs> okay. Placed yourself in the dung heap, huh? right? But now let's let's turn back to Hannah slash Grace, and what does she say? Right? It says the Lord, um, He will keep the feet of the saints, and the wicked shall be silent in darkness. For by strength shall no man prevail. In other words, it's not through your strength that you are going to get anywhere. It's by grace, right? He is the one that's going to lift you out of the dunghill. It isn't anything that you accomplish, right, Jerry? Yeah, and, and you know, that story you're telling is so relevant for, I know, us sitting in this room and for so many others. We almost have to be in that crisis when all of a sudden, when some the words of wisdom have probably been told to you many times, that same thing, and all of a sudden we're in a crisis, and you're thinking, wow, how did I even get out of this? And then all of a sudden opens your ears and opens your heart to, well, maybe there is something to this Bible thing. Maybe there is something to this being a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe there is something to that grace they talk about. We have to almost, sometimes we're human. We have to get to that point where God has a kind of, Sometimes he kind of shakes us a little bit. Sometimes he shakes us or just violently <laughs> has to shake us. I have to be violently shaken every now and then. I've said it many times. Uh, a lot of times we just don't realize that Jesus is all we need until Jesus is all we have. Uh, there's been many times in my life during crisis or shortly after crisis that you know, my faith seems to just skyrocket because that's all I had. Right, so when did that happen in your life? We would love your story. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH. Of course, we got the Christian Car Guy Theater coming up in the last segment. we got one more segment for you to call in with your story. we got the Jesus Labor Love. More on the Hebrew letter hat. Oh, there's so much more. Stay tuned. we got to hear from you. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. Now we're doing 110, this certainly was a race. For Rambler to pass a caddy would be a big disgrace. The guy must have wanted to pass me out and kept on tooting his horn. I'll show him that a Cadillac is not a cartridge corn. Beep, 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 beep. His arm went beep, 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 beep. Now we're doing 120 as fast as I could go. The Rambler pulled alongside of me as if we're going slow. The fellow rolled down his window and yelled for me to hear, Hey buddy, how can I get this car? Out of second gear 
Let her put you in the driver's seat. And let God put you in the driver's seat today on the Christian Car Guys show. And I need to tell you that coming up at 1 o'clock on the Truth Network, if you're listening to that one, I hope you are. But if, wherever you're listening, I'm glad you're listening to the Christian Car Guys show. But if you're on the Truth Network, you will find The Cure with Amy Cabo. And today's show, they're going to have brought back from death the opiate crisis and human trafficking. So, oh my goodness. And that show will be live. You can call into them. Today, it's at 1 o'clock on the Truth Network, and we're so grateful for you listening, I hope, all over the place this morning. We got in all sorts of news stations, and we're so grateful for that. And today, we're talking about, wow, Hannah, right? She prayed and prayed for this child, and God took this child that she gave to God. She just turned, it over, turned him over when he was just weaned, and God literally led Israel with this man. In fact, he was obviously very significant in the anointing of King David and in guiding King David in the early stages of his right um, life. That this, <clears throat> what God did with Hannah, by grace, right? You you understand that this was him lifting her up and him lifting Samuel up by grace. And so, to some extent, it's grace car driving. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you following me here? <laughs> that, right? It's by grace that you actually are given that seat on the throne of God, but you're also th- given that seat in the throne of your car, right? And, and it's a dangerous place that, and we all know this, a responsibility that lays on your, that God has put you there because he what? He trusts you and you know, it was by his strength and his fatherhood that, that, that he gives you this situation. And if you think about all the single moms, widows, families in crisis right now, we have the Jesus labor love. And if you've got a car that you feel like, wow, I would like to put somebody by grace in the driver's seat of that car, you can go to the Jesus labor love tab at christiancarguy.com and, and donate a car or pray for those who need cars or, you know, <clears throat> if you need assistance, you know, that's a, a place for you to to take part in that. You just take uh, Hertz out of the, the scenario and put Jesus Labor of Love going to put somebody in the driver's seat. How about that? Yeah. And they can also donate to help with the car repairs, too, if they'd like to get involved. Yeah, we've had some really, really generous donations lately. We're so grateful. And I can tell you that Scott's been a busy man um, in June. I've seen all the applications coming in, and it's through those donations that obviously we're able to meet that need. Now, I told you that this show was brought to you by the letter HET, which is a beautiful word, letter, and it is a word, and it's a letter, but it's the one that starts grace, but it has everything to do with life. In fact, if I could tell you how you would spell life in Robbie words, it is grace's seed, okay, or life's, life's seed, and the way that it works is that there's this male energy that comes from heaven. It's called a vav in the Jewish language. And, and, and a het is made up of vav, of a zion, and what they call a heteteric. So if you just take this straight line coming from heaven, Jacob's ladder, that's a vav, and that's coming down. And so it's a male energy coming down. And then there's a female energy that is reflected back up to God. That's actually his bride. And that is the letter zion 
in the Hebrew language. And so you got a male energy coming down, right? As God right, shows us his glory, we reflect it back to him. And then they put a top over it that looks like the hoopa, that, which is a marriage canopy, okay? And so when you, when you combine these two energies, you know what you get? You get a kid. <laughs> <laughs> or a grandkid, yeah. huh? <laughs> yeah, well, when you reflect God, back up under the marriage canopy, right? When you do that, most of all is when you're making fruit that's building the kingdom, right? Like what, what Royce did not know that day, and of course there were several other people that were involved in making of Robbie as a kid, but, you know, one of the main characters in the play was Royce Reynolds. And that day, as he was reflecting God by telling me about reading the Bible and studying the things that he knew, you see, he was, by grace, literally, I was his favorite in spite of the fact that I was a Dodge dung heap person, you know? <laughs> you see what he did? And, and, and it was by grace that he shared that knowledge with me that later led me to way more important than ever being the, the general manager of Crown Honda Volvo, right? Right? He, he got me actually on the throne. Are, are you following me, Bob? He planted those seeds, brother. Right, right. And all he, all he was doing, was, and it was, was reflecting God back to me. And, and sometimes you don't know, it's just the littlest discussion that you have with somebody you're showing them that you're their that 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 you favor them that they're that they're your favorite, and they're feeling your grace. And by the way, God Jesus says is full of grace. Okay, <laughs> so the idea of grace and fatherhood go together like oh my goodness. Okay, like this is this is a huge deal, and and, and so, um, it the story of Hannah, whose name is Grace, is all about this whole concept of who's your favorite. Right? And I've said this for years. I'll say it again. I can never say it enough, I don't think. When you are in the presence of a truly godly person, whoever that may be, and if you happen to know Bob and Jerry, you would know this immediately. If you were to hang out with Bob, you would feel like you were Bob's favorite. If you were to hang out with Jerry, you would feel like you're Jerry's favorite. Because when, when you're in their presence, you can sense that these people really like you, like you're their favorite. And if somebody is treating you like they're not your favorite, that is disgraceful. I'm just telling you. <laughs> it, it, it is not what Jesus does, okay? Now, I understand he's full of grace and truth, okay? But he gives truth with love, right? And here's an example of what that looks like. So, so I used to do this devotions at, at Somerset for this old folks' home, and there was this lady there named Miss Beck who was 96 at the time of this episode, right? And so I give a devotion this day, and this is the truth and love right here coming at you. So I get done with the devotion, and she says, Robbie, I need to talk to you outside. I'm like, okay. And she says, you know, Robbie, you're one of the most anointed speakers I've ever heard. And she meant that sincerely. I just love you. Which is why you never have to use words like golly. <laughs> you used the word golly three times when you gave this, right? And, and golly is a euphemism for God. And you don't have to use that because you're one of the best. And, and see what she was, she was rebuking me, Jerry. <laughs> she was. But she was doing it with such love. Like I, I totally felt like I was her favorite at the same time. I certainly wanted to listen to her rebuke because I knew that it came from a really good heart. 
that really wanted me to um to to move on, Bob. That's just amazing. <laughs> she uh did it with such kindness that you couldn't help but appreciate it. Right. Right. Like I knew I was her favorite just based on the, the other things that she said, but that's what is meant in, you know, Romans eight where it says therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because when he shares his truth he does it with love bingo you know that 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 is the the key to it all whenever we you know we all have confrontations and times where we're trying to get a point across but when we walk away from that conversation do we do it in a manner that shows love because and reflects Jesus Christ because then it makes an impact because you can go and have harsh words with somebody and they will shut you down and it doesn't mean anything and doesn't change anything. If you go and say the same thing, make the same point, but do it through love and reflect Jesus Christ, all of a sudden they'll walk away and they start processing that. It goes back to what Bob said. That's That may be the way you plant the seed for somebody in somebody else's life. It may not be the... I'm going to sit down with you and share this this devotion that I read, or I'm going to sit down with you and, and share this verse or what God's done in my life. It may be just the way we handle a situation with somebody is planting seeds. You got the correction without the hickory switch. Yeah. <laughs> I had the impression that Miss Beck had a hickory switch if oh, she needed it. If she it. needed it. It was, <laughs> it was on standby. <laughs> oh, I love that lady. Uh, she lived to be 104 and just one of the saints like, man, you have Miss Beck praying for you, you got life made. Well, I hate the show's over, but we got Christy Carguy Theaters coming up with my granddaughter, Lila. The first female voice you hear will be Charity, I'm just saying. <laughs> There's also some other very, very talented, Vanessa Oren and all the other females, but, and, and of course, Jesse's unbelievable. Charity, you know what I'm saying? Hey, hope everybody tomorrow gets up, goes to church somewhere. Plant those seeds. Somebody is going to be in your life this week. You're listening to The Truth Network and truthnetwork.com. And now time for Christian Cargai Theater. With today's episode, A Plymouth Progress, Episode 15. Once again, Jimmy saw in his dream that Plymouth Valiant was garaging at the top of the hill of difficulty at the palace of the stainless Sedamsel daughters. Duesenberg Discretion, Prudence de Elegance, Piety LTD, and Charity Deluxe. Charity had been asking of the things Valiant saw at the Garage of Infinity Interpreter when her sister Piety LTD asked. Was that all you saw at the House of Infinity Interpreter? No. He took me and he showed me a stately garage, and I saw how the sedans were clad in gold that were in it, and how there came an adventurous sedan, and the sedan cut his way through the armed sedans that stood in the door to keep him out, and then, as he bravely fought, he was bid to drive in and win eternal glory. Seeing those things did thrill my heart. I would have stayed in that good sedan's garage a twelfth month, but then I knew I had further to drive. What else did you see in the way? See, why, I drove but a little further, and I saw one who hung bleeding upon the tree, and the very sight of him made my burden fall off my rack. 
for I groaned under a very heavy burden, but then it fell down from off my roof. It was a strange thing to see, and I have never seen anything like it before. Yea, and while I stood looking up at the one hanging on the cross, for then I could not stop looking, three shining ones came to me. One of them testified that my sins were forgiven me. Another stripped me of my old paint and gave me this shiny coat which you see. And the third set the mark which you see in my windshield and gave me the sealed roll. And with that, Valiant plucked it out of his bosom. But you saw more than this, did you not? The things that I have told you were the best, yet some other matters I saw. Namely, I saw three sedans, Suzuki Simple, of another Saab Sloth, and of the third Peugeot Presumption. And they were stopped and asleep, a little out of the way as I drove past them. And they had police boots upon their wheels. But do you think I could wake them? <laughs> Not at all. I also saw Fraser Formality and Humpmobile Hypocrisy come tumbling over the embankment to go as they intended to go, to Zion, but they were quickly lost, even as I myself did tell them, but they would not believe. But above all, I found it hard work to get up this hill, and just as hard to come by the roaring lion's mouths, and truly if it had not been for the good sedan, the packet porter that stands at the gate, I do not know that after all I had been through to get to that place, I might have gone back again. But now, I thank God. I am here, and I thank you for receiving of me. Then the Sedamso Prudence de Elegance thought good to ask him a few questions. Do you not think sometimes of the country from whence you came? Yes, but I admit that with much shame and detestation, truly if I had been mindful of that country from whence I drove out, I might have had opportunity to have returned. But now I desire a better country, that is, a heavenly country. Do you not still carry some of the baggage from the place you escaped? Yes, but greatly against my will, especially my inward and carnal thoughts, with which all of my countrymen, as well as myself, were delighted with. But now all those things cause me to grieve. If I could master my own heart, I would choose never to think about those things again. But when I try to only think about those things which are best, those things which are worse creep back into my mind and behavior. Don't you find that sometimes you can defeat those evil things that at other times seem to defeat you? Yes, it happens occasionally. They are golden hours that I treasure. Can you remember by what means you are able to occasionally defeat the evil desires and thoughts that assail you? Yes, when I think of what I saw and felt, when I looked at the cross, that will do it. And when I look upon my shiny coat of paint, that will do it. Also, when I look into the roll that I carry in my bosom, that will do it. And when my thoughts turn to the place to which I am going, <laughs> well... And what is it that makes you so desirous to drive to Mount Zion? Why, it is there I hope to see alive my Savior, who did hang dead on the cross. And it is there I hope to be rid of all those things that, to this day, are in me an annoyance to me. And they say that in that place there is no death, and I will dwell there with the company that I like best. For to tell you truth, I love him, because he eased me of my burden, and I am weary of my inward sickness. Oh, I desire to be where I shall die no more, and with the company that shall continually cry, holy, holy, holy. Then said Charity to Valiant, Do you have a family? Are you a married sedan? I have a wife and four small children. And why did you not bring them along with you? 
Oh, how willingly would I have done it. But they were all of them completely against my going on Plymouthage. But you should have talked to them and should have tried to show them the danger of being left behind. So I did, and I told them what God had shown me regarding the destruction of our city. But they tested me like I was jesting, and they did not believe me. And did you pray to God that he would bless your counsel to them? Yes, I did, and with much pleading. As you can imagine, my wife and poor children are very precious to me. But did you tell them of your own sorrow and fear of destruction? For I suppose that the coming destruction was visible enough to you. Oh, yes. Over and over and over. They could also see the fear in my face, in my tears, and also in my trembling under the apprehension of the judgment that hangs over our roofs. But all of this was not sufficient to convince them to drive with me. But what could they say for themselves? What reason did they give for not coming with you? Why... My wife was afraid of losing this world, and my children were given to the foolish delights of youth. But could they not see the vanity of life in the city of destruction and the change in your own life? Couldn't you persuade them it was foolish to stay and better to go with you? Yes, although I cannot commend my life, for I am conscious of my many failings. Yet this I can say. I was very careful not to give them any occasion for offense by my own actions, which might make them refuse to go on Plymouthage. Yea, and it was for this very thing that they would found fault on me. They told me that I was too precise, and that I denied myself of things for their sakes, in which they saw no evil. Nay, I, I think I may say that if what they saw in me did hinder them, it was my great tenderness in sinning against God, or of doing any wrong to my neighbor. Oh, indeed. Cain hated his brother, Abel, because Cain's own works were evil and his brother's works were righteous. And if your wife and your children have been offended with you for this, they thereby show themselves to be implacable to good and valiant. You have delivered your soul from their blood. Tune in again soon for the next exciting adventure in the Plymouth Progress. Now, here's Danny Dipstick and Randy Radiator to review today's episode. Oh, boy, that, that was some episode. <laughs> Don't you think, Danny? You could almost call the Pilgrim's Progress the Pilgrim's Process. <laughs> See, because really, a Christian's life is, is a lifelong process. And I love how John Bunyan used discussions like these between the Stainless Daughters and Valiant to show how Valiant processed his journey. John Bunyan, you know, was using scripture the whole time, just like what he told Prudence about his new coat of paint. In, in Revelation 6.11, it says, And there was given to each of them a white robe. Oh, Denny, and, and who could forget about his role? You know, his testimony that he kept in his bosom. In Revelation 12.11, it says, They triumphed over Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the words of their testimony. It is so very rich. <laughs> Randy, that's just like all the work I put into the process of bicycle wheel making. Oh, rats, I spoke too soon. <laughs> Daddy, I get a bicycle wheel, folks. <laughs> oh, boy. You know, Daddy, the process of adding puns to the end of, of an episode is called punctuation. <laughs> Did you mind? Say goodbye, Daddy. <laughs> See you later, radiator. This is the Truth Network.